What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I've got special guest Evan Sims of Peak Yogurt on the line today. Hey, how you doing, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. Not going to lie, brother. I've been eating your Peak Yogurt every single day. I love it, man. So... Yeah, we met at KetoCon uh, in the middle of July or June. What I forget what it is now. And uh, well, yeah, we did this uh, push-up contest. And uh, I don't know how you did it, man, but you busted out 81 push-ups in 60 seconds. And uh, <laughs> so you're a beast, well, it was, man. It was, it was terrible because the, the yogurt, you had, like, you had it so that the yogurt was on your back and you had to, you know, not let the yogurt fall. You had to have good form to arch your back. Yeah. So, like my first rep, it fell off my back, so I had to start over. And like it was just bad, but it, I could have got ninety-one. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was a fun little uh, way to get the crowd going, and uh, we did the same. We did we did a pull-up competition at a at low carb San Diego, and it was just like people people just love it, you know. All the all, all the fitness guys and girls too, you know, they they get pretty competitive, so it's like it's a good way to get the crowd going. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know engaging people like that. Plus, it just from a business standpoint, like it just draws more people to kind of see what you're doing over there. So yeah, and more eyes on your product, you know, it's good. Um, we de- we're definitely going to dive into peak yogurt in the, in the business, but give, give the audience a little bit of a background on you, kind of like a little bio, just kind of bring them up to speed. Yeah. So my whole story with, uh, starting a business, starting a food company, it really goes back to middle of college. So this would be like 2006. And, um, I mean, you hear the story all the time, right? I mean, I was just like, I felt like crap, you know, I was eating crap, although I didn't really think it was crap, you know, at the time, you know, and I was like, I was a serious, like compulsive eater. So I would, you know, if I stressed out about homework or tests coming up, I'd go buy like a plate of cinnamon rolls and just crush the whole thing. You know, I was cooking all my food in like canola oil, soybean oil. Um, I was, I was like an Advil junkie, you know, I had all this inflammation in my joints and in particular my shoulder. You know, so just like work out or go rock climb, I'd have to take like 600, 800 milligrams of Advil. And, um, you know, I, I went through the cycle of like, you know, working a ton, just getting exhausted, not getting enough sleep, you know, too many classes. Um, and then, you know, going through this kind of like just not healthy eating cycle. Um, you know, so the whole thing of like just tiredness, kind of mood swings, brain fog, you know, acne, you know, everything, right? <laughs> And, uh, I mean, you might, and, you know, a lot of beer on the weekends, right? You know, typical college kid. And, um, and then at some point a a good friend of mine, like a climbing partner, he told me about this thing called the keto, uh, uh, the paleo diet. And, uh, you know, I went to college in in Boulder, Colorado, CU and, um, this guy, Lauren Cordain, who's kind of like the godfather of paleo. He really kind of popularized it, you know, early two thousands. He was right up the way in Fort Collins and, my friend had heard about this and he got on this thing and he was like, yeah, it's, it's life changing, man. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll give this a try. Like I'd never really thought much about, uh, I'd honestly like never thought about nutrition, like in any sort of way, you know, I just sort of ate what was around me, what, what I kind of thought was healthy and, you know, pretty much like standard American diet. You know, I had this suspicion and, you know, sort of typical fear around saturated fats, cholesterol. So, you know, I, you know, I was, you know, I, I did my best, like, eat what kind of, you know, the recommendations said to eat and uh, it wasn't working for me. So I kind of, I, I pretty much dove into the whole paleo thing and like right away, um, I just noticed a huge improvement. Um, so the, so the big things I did was I cut out seed oils. Um, so like canola, soybean oil in particular, 
um, started switching to the more traditional animal fats like butter and coconut oil and stuff like that. Although back then, like we just, you know, we did, you couldn't get good grass fed butter or, or coconut oil. It was really hard to find. Um, and then, then I found that like wheat, um, not all grains, but wheat in particular just did not work with, uh, for me. So, you know, I don't have celiacs or anything like that, but it just like, man, I just found like wheat does not do me, do me any good. So, um, and then of course, like all the sugary processed junk foods, like, you know, I, you know, it took some effort, right? It's not hard to change. It's not easy to change your eating habits overnight. So, you know, I kind of iterated towards a more paleo type of diet and, and it's kind of funny because I, I remember as a kid, you know, I would put just huge slabs of butter on my toast and I always got these, uh, you know, I was always reprimanded by my, my parents or my, my parents' friends for, um, you know, you shouldn't put so much butter on your toast. And I'm like, well, I like the butter. So I think I've always, I've always known and felt that, that more, more fat, like, uh, just works for me. So now mm -hmm. I had kind of a, uh, you know, I guess sort of a justification to kind of, um, listen to my body and actually do what you know, felt good. Although it's funny at that time, like the paleo diet was, was actually a low fat diet. A lot of people don't know this, but early on, um, paleo was, was all about lean meats, you know, very little added fat. And it's only been kind of more recently that it's, it's turned in, it's kind of, you know, there's so many fraction factions of paleo now, but, um, you know, it's only been, it's been more recent that the, the keto aspect of that has, has really gotten a lot of, um, you know, a lot more popularity. But um, anyway, so I, so I, I started making these changes and, uh, you know, it took me many years to kind of really, really get into it. And part of it's behavioral, part of it's just the food you're around and, you know, taking the time to like actually prepare stuff and dealing with all the social issues of, you know, um, hey, I'm not going to eat that when you're out with friends and like, <laughs> you know, people look at you funny, right? Um, so yeah, and it fixed a lot of stuff. You know, I felt better, more energy, you know, skin cleared up, all this stuff. You know, you've heard these stories a million times and it really works and it worked for me. And um, how, yeah, go ahead. How would you compare uh, paleo and keto? Because I'm always curious to hear how people, you know, would define <laughs> one diet or the other because they've got some similarities, especially now with paleo kind of gravitating more towards the higher fat. But how would you compare the two? So I think paleo and keto are completely different. Like. Yeah, there is a, a paleo diet, but there's but there's really like fifty different versions of it, right? But I, I think of paleo as a as a principle, um, and keto is really a specific macronutrient ratio. Um, mm -hmm. So so I think the power of the paleo concept is that it's it's looking at what our paleolithic ancestors ate and saying, yeah, they, these people enjoyed robust health. You know, a lot of them who didn't die in childhood or in you know whatever battle or taking down some animal, you know, they enjoyed robust health into, into old age and saying that's, that's a starting point. Like that's a good point to start at. Um, and obviously, you know, you have to kind of blend that with, you know, our modern context, right. You know, cause an actual paleo diet, um, it's pretty much impossible, right. Cause our food has changed. Our just whole environment has changed. But I, I think the power of paleo is that it's a, it's a powerful principle and a basis point to kind of start asking questions and experimenting with a diet that, you know, is going to, is going to work for you. Whereas keto is like, you know, it's in one sense, it's purely just reduce your carbs and up your fat to a point where you get into nutritional ketosis. And it's funny because it seems like there is, you know, in the mainstream media, I think people have started to equate paleo with, uh, with keto, which, 
I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, I see them as, as very different principles. And they're, they're both powerful and important, but I think um, kind of the, the origin of the ideas is, 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 really, is really quite different. Because um, keto really came from, you know, there's, a, there's a, you know, many, like thousands of years, people have, for thousands of years, people have known that fasting like, can, can basically stop seizures in epileptic people, right? And then there's there's all this interesting history about you know different religious groups um, that, that fast and uh, kind of observations on that. So I think out of that grew kind of early experiments with uh, with the ketogenic diet and just real, realizing all the benefits it had, all the neurological benefits, uh, particularly for epilepsy. And now it's kind of we, we went from you know, the original keto diet was like a super extreme, like four to one diet with super restricted protein, like zero carbs. And that's, that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's a, pr that's a pretty bad diet for the majority of people. Like, you know, you're pretty much only going to do that if you have really bad epilepsy. That's, um, I think they call it like refractory epilepsy or drug resistant ep epilepsy and it doesn't respond to anything else. But, um, you know, basically for most people doing keto, it's like you can have a lot more protein and, and somewhat more carbs than that super restrictive kind of hardcore therapeutic ketosis diet yeah i definitely agree it's kind of funny you look at you know different types of dieting protocols and they they start with this you know underlying premise foundation and then it's kind of enter entertaining to watch how people misconstrue that and it just gets totally blurred from what it was originally intended to be and like you look at keto and keto has become in some people's mind you know nothing but bacon and eggs every day all day that's all they eat which isn't really optimal and then you look at paleo and there's not really any emphasis on the actual macronutrient ratio so much as there is you know was this food available to my ancestors way back in the day but a lot of the bars and stuff that they make i mean probably probably weren't available so it's kind of just interesting <laughs> to see how things get misconstrued yeah. over the years yeah they, they probably didn't have uh they probably didn't have rx bars a hundred thousand years ago but you know who knows maybe they probably did. Not. <laughs> but yeah, man, I think, um, I think that's, um, that's something I've noticed a lot is what I guess what I call the junk foodification of, of both paleo and keto, right? So a lot of them have just moved so far away from these like whole nutritionally dense foods. And, um, you know, part of that is inevitable as these things get more popular and as people, you know, people want to start companies, make money and, you know, you can't make money just selling like, you know, who's, who's going to start a, a produce company. I mean, people are doing that, but it's like, that's not where, you know, it's a lot harder to start a business doing something like that than like making some packaged food that's non-perishable right. and doing that whole thing. But um, anyway, so, so back to kind of the, 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 the origin story for me is, you know, so I, I changed my diet, you know, I, I felt better. A lot of things just got better like really quickly and it was just like transformational, right? And then, you know, being a scientist, you know, so I studied chemistry, biochemistry, and chemical engineering as a, as a college student. So I just started reading voraciously. And, you know, I got obsessed. And this was really a five or six year kind of obsession where I was just, you know, studying, reading books, um, reading papers. And um, I, I got really interested in, in the, the literature around saturated fat and cholesterol. Um, mm -hmm. So I actually went back and I read there were really 12, I think around, I think about 12 clinical controlled trials that compared saturated fat to um, unsaturated fat. And most people think of that as animal fat versus, you know, vegetable oils, basically. 
Um, so we like United States, but also other countries, you know, we spent billions and billions of dollars running these clinical trials. Um, and, and really the, from my perspective, the objective was to incriminate saturated fat. <laughs> so we did everything possible to like make them look as bad as we could. And, you know, the early trials, they just compared saturated fat to unsaturated fat. And, you know, the results were either mixed or they, or they actually showed that, um, you know, in some cases switching to vegetable fats, like led to higher mortality. Like, so like the Sydney diet heart study, um, the Rose corn oil trial, although, although that one was pretty small, you know, those studies showed that switching to vegetable oils, like made more people die and get more heart disease and more cancer. So then, then people were like, okay, we got to, we got to change something up here because this isn't working. So they started adding multiple interventions. So not only would they switch people on the test diet to vegetable oils, but they would start adding in like, you know, sardines, canned in cod liver oil and advising exercise and more fruits and vegetables. So lo and behold, those, those studies showed that, yeah, those interventions, you know, did make people more, more healthy, but it's like, you start mixing these different variables and it's like, you can't really, nothing about that says that saturated fat, uh, in particular is the culprit. So, um, so yeah, I spent a lot of time just studying these clinical trials. And then we all, of course, we did these big, um, epidemiological studies as well, which have their own problems. Um, and I just started to realize, you know, what the actual data and the science was saying just did not at all match up with what the, um, nutritional guidelines were saying, what the conventional wisdom on nutrition was. So, um, that's kind of where it all started for me. And I'm like, well, you know, we've got all these problems, right? People getting diabetes, people are obese, you know, our, our life expectancy, like might actually start declining. You know, we've made no, no real progress on cancer. Like something is wrong here. Um, so that's kind of where my real passion kind of, you know, has been for a long time. Um, but you know, anyway, I, I graduated college, I got a job in biotech. Um, that was four and a half years. And then eventually I realized, you know, I just, I just didn't care that much about the products we were, we were making, you know, it was, it was a great job, great company. Um, but I, I decided at one point, like I, I just had to do something with all this, um, you know, all this sort of knowledge and passion and excitement around nutrition and human health. And, um, you know, eventually that led to the whole, um, idea to start a, a triple cream, high fat yogurt company. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, back, it, the backstory in a nutshell right there. It's, it's cool to hear people's take and just kind of like what, I don't know, I, I like watching the, the timeline of people's lives as they progress towards one direction or another. And, you know, with you having the background that you did, the schooling that you did, and just kind of the, the education that you did, it only made sense, I mean, to kind of follow this route and going towards nutrition. Um, so, so what was like some of the aha moments as far as like, when did you try keto? Like, what was the, the tipping point information? Like, what did you read? What study did you find that was like, okay, this is it. I'm, I'm jumping on it. So, I mean, was there? Yeah. So yeah, there was. And I think, um, I mean, and you can read, you can read studies all day and all night. Uh, but I, I think the most powerful thing is just like either doing it yourself and really feeling it or seeing, seeing other people transform their lives with it. So I'd always known that, you know, carbs and particularly sugary foods, like just tend to make me overeat. You know, they, they just rev my appetite up. Like I can't stop eating. 
eat more, way more than I need. And, um, and when I'm, when I'm eating carbs a lot, like I will wake up so ravenously hungry. Like I wake up first thing in the morning, I'm like, I have to eat some food or else I'm going to die. Like that's how I felt. Um, so I forget when I actually first tried like kind of restricting carbs, like some of it just happened automatically. You know, when I was trying the when I was first starting kind of a, a paleo type of diet, just because it's like so many things are restricted, right? So it's like, and honestly, just like cooking sweet potatoes, like it's sort of inconvenient. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, you know, you gotta, you gotta put them in the oven for an hour and a half or whatever. And it's just like, so there's some automatic just carb restriction from that. But I, I forget when it was, but at one point I just, um, I just stopped eating carbs and I, you know, kind of observed how it went, how I felt, you know, I, I never really experienced any of that, that, those hardcore like keto flu symptoms. It was kind of just like, man, I'm just like not as hungry. Like I don't feel the urge to overeat as much. And, um, but man, I, I honestly forget when, when that, when that first was, but, um, anyway, so I'm not like hundred percent keto all the time. It's probably 50, 60% of the times I'm like pretty much keto. And then, you know, I have some carbs mostly in the, if I have carbs, it's always in the evening. Um, Cause if it's during like a carb backloading protocol. Yeah, a little bit. But that, again, I'm just like, I pretty much just listen to what my body tells me. And like, you know, you know, I've kind of figured out, I've kind of titrated my carb tolerance to what, what I know works. And, um, you know, I know most, for the most part, you know, keeping them in the evening and then, you know, it's around 50% of the time, you know, it, it just varies week to week. <laughs> so it's kind of like, I, I think I built up that metabolic flexibility. At least that's how I think of it. I'm not sure I can prove that, but um, so it's like if I have carbs, if I have you know, let's say I have a lot of carbs, like 200 grams of carbs. Like I eat a bunch of rice. You know, go to go to a Korean restaurant or something like that. Eat a bunch of rice. Um, the next day, I can still be, I can still get into ketosis. Um, you know, I can get up to one millimole um, blood ketones like the next day. So I think there is, I think there's a lot of truth to the, like to building that metabolic flexibility because you have all these, you know, different transporters and enzymes that um, are responsible for fat metabolism. So, I don't know. That's just, that's where I'm at right now. And, um, you know, it's, it's... Do you notice anything different in, like, how you feel and perform on days or days after consuming a bunch of carbs? I, I honestly don't think I notice a huge difference. But, um, yeah, and I know a lot of people are, are much more sensitive to it, but that's that's what I've observed about myself. Um, I will. So this this is kind of funny story. So after I quit, my, so I quit my job in 2014, not really knowing what I was going to do. I sort of had an idea of starting a food company, but it wasn't really fleshed out. And then I basically like <laughs> it was sort of like fun employment period of my life, and I just I just rock climbed my ass off, and mm -hmm. I was doing pretty much full keto during that full time, and I and I. I know that I did, you know, I climbed my hardest um, rock climbs um, pretty much in ketosis. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll read, you know, I'm not a world-class rock climber, but I, you know, I put in some work, got some, got some decent stuff done. But um, you'll often hear that, you know, keto is not suitable for these kind of um, high-intensity, explosive type of athletic um, pursuits. And climbing definitely mm -hmm. fits that, right? Because you're, you know, you have big bursts of energy with like a slow, slow kind of endurance burn over the whole, whole route. You know, it might be like a hundred foot route you're trying to do and it's like at your limit. But, uh, yeah, I was able to climb like my hardest routes, like pretty much full keto, you know, no carbs. I wasn't eating any carbs. Um, I mean, I was eating a lot of the, the yogurt I was making just homemade batches at that time. So there's, you know, I was probably 
30, 40 grams of carbs max per day. But um, yeah, so so again, it's like it is crazy, man. Yeah, the 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 whole argument of like people saying that certain sports don't cater well to keto. I mean, it's just I, I'm just calling crap on it because like I've I've talked with so many different athletes from so many different walks of life, and you know from fast explosive to long endurance and pe- people that say that you have to have carbs for this sport are just people that want to have carbs. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to have it for any sport. <laughs> that's my take on it anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. I, um, I, I believe you. I just, I just don't know. You know, one, one of the things I've learned is like, you know, there's a lot you don't know. And like, if, if I don't have, uh, you know, I just don't know. I, it's probably true for some people. Um, I mean, I, I actually think like the, you know, you know, I'm not one of those people who think like everyone should be on keto and carbs are evil. Like I, I tend to think these kind of what I call macronutrient wars are, are somewhat counterproductive. Like, you know, we, I totally agree with you, on you that know, one. we know key, the keto diet is incredibly powerful and effective for a lot of people. Um, the fact that it's not, doesn't work for some people, like that doesn't detract from that in, in any way. So I think it's, um, we can treat it as like a, a one really powerful tool in the toolkit. And, um, you know, try it. If it works for you, do it. If not, you know, <laughs> do something else, right? You know, to each his own. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's kind of comical. Some people get on their high horse, you know, for like, <laughs> who, who, I mean, what right do they have to say one person is right or wrong for eating any particular way, you know? Yeah. I mean, what I know for sure is that the standard American diet is is not working too well for probably 70, 80% of, 80% of people. And, um, you know, something's got to change. So, um, it's, it's pretty exciting to see where these, uh, you know, the keto community, the paleo community, where, where these communities are going. And, um, the thing I love is it's, it's really from, it's really, it feels like a grassroots ground up movement because it's not coming from the establishment. You know, we, I mean, we spent, we as in, you know, this country and kind of the powers that be, you know, we spent four decades and billions and billions of dollars trying to, prove this one particular viewpoint, which uh, is quite wrong. And then no one's ever going to do an, a total about face and say, whoops, we, our advice was totally wrong. Um, yeah, you know, sorry, sorry about that. So it's, <laughs> it's going to take it's going to take many years for that to sort of foundation, uh, this sort of establishment foundation to crumble. And we are starting to see that but it's, it's cool to see that it's really driven by you know, these independent thinkers, um, you know, people from the ground up, you know, people like you, um, you have kind of learned about this, this, this way of eating and this lifestyle. And, and, you know, it's, it's just, it's a really cool thing to see. I totally agree, man. It's it's exciting because you don't know where it's going to take us, you know, but you know, there's, there's positive energy and positive vibes there. So it's exciting to see where it will go. Yeah. Let's talk about yoga, man. What, what, what made you want to start a yogurt company in the first place? Like, why yogurt? <laughs> well, I mean, in one sense, yogurt is just a convenient delivery vehicle for for milk fat. Um, another reason is that it is, you know, for a long time, you know, up until pretty recently, yogurt was what I call like a junk food in disguise. So there's this kind of allure or veneer of yogurt being healthy, but most yogurts were non-fat or low fat, but super, super sugary, you know, so a cup of yogurt mm-hmm. might have 25 or 30 grams even, which is, you know, not much less than a can of Coke. 
And I mean, I grew up eating Yoplait, non-fat, sugary as hell Yoplait yogurt. And um, what was your favorite Yoplait flavor? I don't know. There were so many: key lime pie, <laughs> cheesecake. That was mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're basically desserts, right? They're basically like junk food desserts, like disguised in you know the yogurt cup, right? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I, part of it was just like rebelling against that whole you know scam of yogurt being healthy, but you know it's also dessert. Um, and uh, I don't know, there's a, there's a little bit of business strategy in there too. I mean, yogurt's this kind of high velocity category where, um, you know, per square foot in the grocery store, like you, it's a lot of, you know, dollars per square foot because people buy a lot of yogurt, whereas like a salty snack, you know, it doesn't sell as quickly. It sits there longer. Um, but the downside, you know, as we've learned is like, if it doesn't sell, if it doesn't move, you know, if there's not like the right customer base in that store, you know, you're going to get kicked off off the shelves, right? And, um, you know, if it doesn't sell before it expires, like, you know, you're going to get kicked out of that store. So, um, but I mean, I think the original idea was just sort of like, I liked yogurt personally and I'm like, well, I want more fat. So I just started, I basically just started culturing cream, right? So I had this, like, I'd mix like one part cream and like two parts whole milk for this like 20% fat, you know, blend of milk and cream. And I just started culturing that with yogurt cultures. and then. Um, this is probably mid 2015, something like that. And I just started eating it myself. And then I started giving out to friends. We did a couple of sampling events and people were like, man, this stuff's delicious. Like, can I buy it from you? So then mm-hmm. I, I literally was just spending 20 hours a week making yogurt in my kitchen. You know, I'd make these big five gallon batches at a time. I'd, I'd, for, I'd culture them and I'd strain them in this, uh, you know, strainer I had in the fridge. I'd pack them in these in these plastic tubs and I just ride my motorcycle around the Bay area, hand delivering these, (laughs) (laughs) hand delivering these, these things of yogurt. Right. And, uh, so, I mean, that's like, that's like what every entrepreneur has to go through is like getting your first 10 customers and Mm -hmm. proving that people will pay money for this stuff, you know, over and over and over again. It's like, yeah, maybe this could be a business. And, um, you know, I, I knew I'd always wanted to start a business, you know, but, um, you know, everyone tells you like, you're crazy. You got to go, go, you got you to go work for a startup. You don't know what you're doing. 17% milk fat's crazy. You know, why don't you do 10 or 12, you know, dial it down a bit. But um, I don't know, man, I just had this conviction about what I wanted this product to be. And, you know, it was really, in some ways, it was just sort of like a selfish thing. It's like, this is what I want to eat every day. And I don't yeah. want to, com- I don't want to compromise on it. And I honestly like I didn't even, I I knew keto was a thing back then but I didn't know how big it was going to be or how much of a market there was but I sort of didn't care right um so I just kind of went with my 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 conviction on it and um started trying to sell it and you know got our got our first 10 or 20 customers and then end of 2015 we did this Indiegogo campaign which was a total mess I had no idea what I was doing um and it was complicated for a million reasons, right? You know, we we only like would deliver to certain parts of the country, so we couldn't do like, you know, the bigger kind of reach for national type of stuff. And I, I mean, I just sucked at everything. You know, I I was terrible with design. I was terrible with photography. Like, I just there were so many things I just botched on that. But um, you know, we managed to raise. I mean, at that point, it was just it was just a team of one, right? I didn't really have any help at that point. So I think we raised mm-hmm. like sixteen thousand dollars in this campaign. And like that barely even paid for the first like two batches. 
Um, so it was kind of funny the way these things work, right? And then it took it took us a year to actually like fulfill those first orders because really? um, we went through we went through because uh, you can't really make this stuff in your kitchen itself. You have to have, you have to go to a licensed like uh, creamery or like yogurt facility, right? So we went mm-hmm. through. We searched for somebody who would work with us, and the first one like just ended up wasting our time. Like, and eventually they said no. And the second one, we ran a couple test batches with, and you know, the, each of these test batches is like ten thousand bucks, right? You know, because you got to buy all the cream and milk, and then you got to run this test batch. So it's expensive, right? So like, mm-hmm. I was kind of like, you know, my scope of like what this thing was going to be was just constantly in flux. So it's like. I had no idea how much money we needed. I had no idea like how to make this stuff. So I just sort of dove in and like, I was just like completely like, you know, felt totally out of my element because I had just, I just had no idea, right? The first time, you know, but I mean, you learn quickly. <laughs> and um, yeah. so anyway, that second production facility, they actually went bankrupt <laughs> and it was like, Man. it was crushing. Like I almost gave up. Um it just felt like such a crushing blow. And then I like, you know, got back on my feet and we found a third one. And the third one is, is this, uh, this great creamery in Portland that we're still with. And, um, you know, they're a great partner. They're, you know, they're guys that we know well, and they really get the product and, you know, they, they care as much as we do about like making a great product. So it's like, so thankful to have like a good partner that's, you know, working with us on this and, um, but you know, it took, it took a year to get there, right? There's so many people like what I've learned, you know, just in a little bit of time that I've been trying to build and scale up keto brick is people come out of the woodwork, you know, telling you how to do things. You're doing things wrong. They just get mad at you if you don't have stock. And I don't know, like it's, it's kind of, it's very disheartening because you want to make everybody happy. Like you're doing everything you can to fulfill, you know, these people's wishes and supply them with what they want. But it's just like so disheartening when you you're not able to or something's not lining up and people just like can get so negative and it's like oh wow just i'm I'm doing this because i want to because i want it to be fun i want to add value um so it's it's very very daunting but i think you learn so much in doing it yourself that you would never be able to gather you know just by offboarding it and handing it to somebody else and i think that's worth its weight and just yeah and then gold you know from heartache yeah i totally agree man and um it's it's kind of interesting because, you know, so we actually launched this thing in uh, like November of 2017, right? So it's we're coming up on what eight nine months now, um, mm-hmm. and the first phase of our business was like we were just selling in grocery stores, and you know that's a, that's a hard it's a hard business, right? Because you've got distributors, you got grocery stores, so you're two kind of two steps removed from the end customer. So you really don't know much mm-hmm. about your end customer. You can't really interact with them that well. And it's just, it's just an expensive game to, you know, to be in grocery stores because you've got to give up, you know, you got to do demos. Those take time and money. Um, you got to move around this physical like refrigerated product. You got to give the grocery stores discounts. You know, they want a free fill, which is basically like, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but like when you put a product into a grocery store, like usually they make you pay for or give them free product for the first kind of like um, batch of product you send them, and um, so it's just expensive, right? And you know we kind of we kind of made some progress with that, but um, and you know we built a great little business here in the Bay Area and, and to a lesser extent in Seattle, and we're, we're still adding stores. But um, 
at some point. It was actually my partner, my my business partner Mimi, who um, I think you met at KetoCon, right? And uh, yep. she had this idea of doing uh, direct to consumer, and I'm like, "You got to be kidding! Like, how are we going to ship yogurt around the country and like keep it cold?" But um, we actually found a sort of fulfillment center that does a really good job packing the stuff up, keeping it cold. You know, they've got this eco-friendly like um, packaging materials. So um, we went from like this is an idea to ship yogurt direct um, to actually doing it. I mean, we're launching on August 13th um, in, you know, less than two months. <laughs> so it's like, you know, it was, pr it's pretty incredible. I think, um, I think just the nature of progress is, is kind of interesting, right? Cause it's like, it's flat, flat, flat. It feels like you're making no progress. Then you have these big spikes where it's like kind of everything comes together and crystallizes. And like, this feels like one of those moments. Um, and yeah, I mean, in the last couple of months, we went to these two conferences, we connected like really deeply with these like incredible communities of people. And, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of nuts. Like we're going to, we're going to literally just ship packages of yogurt, you know, all around the country. And, um, it's pretty cool how quickly things came together. No, I love it, man. I think, I think going direct to consumer is just 100% the way to go. I mean, being more engaged and kind of on the front line with the people that you're trying to sell to and provide, you know, value to in the first place. It just puts you so much more in a, in a position of knowledge, like what do people want, what's the feedback, as opposed to having to go through like the veil of, you know, a grocer or a wholesaler. It's just way too much disconnection, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, oh, so another point I wanted to make was, um, so the whole point of that actually was like, you know, we did some some beta tests this past week. Um you know, we ended, I think we're, we're shipping out like 35 orders in total to, you know, people we gave 50% off, just kind of like early test to make sure the packaging works out and everything. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of got the first like full dose of like, you know, customers who are like really vocal and, you know, for the most part, people are really appreciative and understanding. And, and then there's a small minority of customers who are just like super demanding and, you know, yeah. sometimes it's justified, but some, sometimes people are just like, can be a little bit entitled and it's like, okay, got to suck it up, you know, just do what it takes to like make this person happy. And it's like, it's kind of overwhelming. It can be a little bit, like you said, you want to make everyone happy. You want to make sure everyone has a good experience, but, uh, it can be tough. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of getting going with that. So I'm sure it's going to be a learning experience. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you can't make everyone happy. And, you know, I forget where I first heard this, but it's like, if nobody hates you, no one loves you. Right. So you, you know, I, I kind of like that, you know, peak yogurt's like, it's, it's kind of a polarizing product. Some people think it's insane, but you know, a lot of people love it. So. <laughs> yeah. I think having, you know, if you try to make everybody happy, you're just, you're not going to win. That's, that's a hundred percent the truth. And I think the main thing is if you know with a hundred percent certainty that you're doing everything that you can, you're pouring everything you have into it, then you can go to sleep with a clear conscience knowing that, I mean, hell, you've done everything you can. You know, anybody that's negative or, you know, just rude after that fact, it's like <laughs> you put all your, you put yourself out there. You've done everything you can. Um, and that, that, that I think is key, knowing that you're not holding anything back. Um, and, and you'll get negativity, you'll get positivity, but I feel like the vast majority of people being positive makes up for that negativity hands down. Yeah, for sure, man. I agree. Um, that reminded me, do you, do you know, um, do you know this guy, Robert Greene? Yeah. 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 So he wrote, so two of his books had a pretty big impact on me. The first one was, uh, 
think the 48 laws of power. I read that a long time ago, mm-hmm. but then more recently I read uh, Mastery. Mm-hmm. I love and that book. It's a great book. And one of the, uh, one of the ideas in there is like, is you see these people who, who seem like they're overnight successes. Um, but when you look closer, most of these people have put in, you know, either the 10,000 hours or the 10 years of work, like that you just kind of struggle silently and like namelessly to like get to a point where, where you actually can become visible and have some success. And yeah, I'm not saying peak yogurt's like a big success yet, but it, it felt like a little bit, you know, just confirming that whole, whole idea. You know, it's like, I mean, the seeds of kind of what turned into peak yogurt, you know, they were planted in 2006 and then, you know, I had a whole other career and, you know, uh, you know, but, uh, another, another life. And then, you know, it was really 2017, 2018 that this thing like launched. So it's like, you know, there's 10 years right there, 12 years. <laughs> yeah. I think having like, uh, you know, just chipping away at something long game thinking like that is, is so key. And people are going to look at you and say, oh, overnight success yada, 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 but they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. They can't pull the curtain back and see what all you've been through. And I love, love the freaking, you know, brutal moments when you're not getting any sleep and you're just tired and everybody's being negative and you can't like even stay positive throughout the day because you just have everything beating you down. But that that is what motivates you to just keep on going because you have something worth fighting for if you have something worth fighting for, you know. And the thing is that very few people are willing to to put up with that kind of just, just, you know, blood and guts hustle to make something come through and be a success. So, you know, kudos to you, man. I'm, I'm taking my hat off to you. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, another, another funny kind of idea, I, I you know, maybe it's somewhat ma- uh, mainstream in our culture, but it's like this idea that people go into startups or entrepreneurship to make money. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can make money, but you're going to suffer for a long time and make no money. And that that's really not the motivation. I mean, the motivation is just like this conviction about the, what you want to make and, you know, making something you care about. And it's like, you know, if I, if I didn't have this belief in what I was doing, what we were doing, like I never would have, I would have given up after two months, you know, no 100%, way, man. Yeah, no way I would have stuck with it. There's, there's so much to be said for that. And, and it's hard to explain that to somebody that's not doing something similar to themselves. So it's kind of cool that you and I are talking now because I can relate with you. But when you when you're doing what we're doing, you're 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 definitely not doing it for the money. I mean, there's a lot of easier ways to make a buck than what we're doing. But to be able to like look back on what you've done over the years and see how far it's come and see that you're adding value to people and 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 they're excited for you and they're you know, you're building some kind of loyalty amongst your followers and they're wanting to see what the next step is and what the next step is and they've got your back, like that you know, leaving a legacy in that form. I mean, that is so much more fulfilling than any dollar amount could ever be. So yeah, that there's, there's no, the money doesn't even matter at really at that point. Yeah, no, it's totally true. I mean, you know, there's, there's this one feeling you get when you get a big invoice from a new customer, when you get orders coming in. But um, I mean, what really makes it all worth it is when you get those emails or those whatever mentions on Instagram where it's like, I love this stuff. It's like exactly what I wanted. Like, thank you for making it. Like, that just like hits you right in the heart. It's just like, oh man, this is like, this is total validation. You know, this is, this is worth all the struggle for, you know, all the years of work we put into it. When you hear those people who are like, yeah, this stuff, I love this stuff, you know, and Absolutely. they're just like thankful that you made something that they, that they really enjoy and that really has a benefit, you know, impact on their life. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. 
what uh what what's the process look like i want to get into the nuts and bolts here but like how do you go about making the yogurt i've had like three different or two different guests on now we just dove into the art of yogurt making and i'm curious because i still have yet to try and make yogurt but i, mean, I don't even know how it's it's the whole thing's done i always hear how simple it is to make but i don't know the first thing about making yogurt yeah so making it in your kitchen is pretty simple i mean there's a little bit of a nuance to it but you basically take milk cream whatever you want throw in some cultures you can buy them online and then you kind of incubate it in a warm oven or you know it's like 110 degrees fahrenheit um that's the temperature that these particular bacteria cultures grow at and then eight hours later you've got yogurt sticking in the fridge and you can either eat it straight or strain it um so it's, it's a very simple process and um you know, you can imagine it has to be right because this was something that was kind of invented or discovered tens of thousands of years ago. Um, but so it, it straining all, it just kind of separates the the more liquid consistency from the solid. Yeah, so straining just removes this. It's called whey, right? And it's got a lot of the lactose, a lot of the water, some of the minerals. So you're just concentrating the fat or the protein, right? Um, so I mean, our yogurt is in in a sense it's strained, but we strain the 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 components separately. So we're removing the, the a lot of the water, a lot of the lactose, and it's that's how we get that 17% fat in there because you know normal whole milk is only three and a half, maybe four percent fat. So we got to remove a lot of the water, concentrate that good milk fat. Um but yeah, I mean when you know it, it, it all gets a lot more complicated when you're trying to do five hundred gallons or you know seven hundred gallons of this stuff at once. And um I mean I credit my experience as a, as a, I mean, I was actually a fermentation engineer, like in my prior career. Um, mm -hmm. So that sort of process knowledge, that sort of engineering sense, like that's like that I could not have developed this product, created this product without that background because I mean, nobody had made any yogurt like this. So, you know, the people we talked to, the creamers we talked to, they're like, we have no idea how to do this. Right. <laughs> and it's like, so, I mean, that's why it took, you know, we had to run five or six different batches just to get like a recipe we liked. Um, but I mean, it's all, it's all just, it's all the magic, not the magic, but just the process of these bacteria changing, you know, fermenting and culturing the milk. And it, it starts, starts to break down the proteins and they all coagulate into this nice, like, um, you know, that nice yogurt texture that you, um, that people love. Um, and the other thing when is like the, the, the bacteria actually they eat up they eat a lot of the lactose right so that's part of the reason yogurt uh, people who are lactose intolerant can actually tolerate yogurt especially strained yogurt is because you reduce the lactose content substantially um yeah that's what i was actually going to ask you so when you look at a container of yogurt and it's got you know x amount of grams of carbs on there how much of that is that like what they're using in the initial ingredients or is that like what's actually in there after the fermentation process like how much of those carbs are actually consumed as carbs is there any way to know um so if you're just talking plain yogurt right so that carb count on the label that should just be the lactose um but early on i went through like i looked at i don't know 50 different yogurt products and I looked at all the nutritionals and i and I think a lot of people just their nutritionals are not necessarily accurate. Like I think mm -hmm. the USDA allows something like plus twenty percent, man. Yeah, twenty percent. You know it. <laughs> so it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So some of these labels are just not accurate, and um, you know, I I did my best to like put the exact accurate amount of each of these nutrients on the label, but I'm I'm not sure everyone is accurate, right? And 
you know, these things are variable, right? This is like a living organism that's culturing the yogurt. So there's some variability in it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not totally, but I mean, all that, all that sugar in there is, is lactose, which is, you know, it's a, it's a disaccharide. So it's part glucose, part lactose. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't think it quite has, I think it has a lower impact on blood sugar than just straight sucrose or table sugar or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's another thing, right? Is like, you know, I know not everyone can tolerate dairy, but it's like, you know, again, you can't please everyone, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I personally think milk, um, you know, once you remove a lot of the water and, sh and, and sugar is like one of the most, like, I mean, it's, it's like one of nature's original superfoods, right? It, it's, it may be the only food that's like intended to be consumed as a food, right? Because even a, a cow or a plant, you know, it's not quote unquote intended to be consumed, right? It's a, it's a funny argument people make, right? But this is like complete nutrition. Um, and we just happen to think that the milk fat is like the most interesting part of dairy, right? Um, you know, it's a lot, a lot of good saturated fats. You know, a lot of fat soluble vitamins um and it's actually like the best one of the best i think the best source of uh this short chain fatty acid called butyric acid which is um you know so everyone knows that mcts are medium chain mm -hmm. triglycerides but short chain fatty acids are pretty interesting nutrients because they they kind of simulate some of the benefits of fiber um like there's this idea that fiber is beneficial because your gut bacteria ferment it into short chain fatty acids and right. those have sort of immune properties or um, a bunch of beneficial properties in your gut so butyric acid which is named for butter right butyric acid um, milk fat is is one of the best sources of it so um, no it's it's very yeah, interesting it's, man when you start breaking down the fats yeah. it's like the, the next level you know far beyond just simply the macronutrient count um, that's what I've taken a really keen interest towards. Like there's so much out there that people don't really think to look at at first glance because it's not on the label in clear black and white, but you know, the sourcing and the actual breakdown of the fatty acids is, is very, very key. Um, and I would argue that your yogurt's probably a better quality than a lot of the yogurts out there right now. You'll play especially. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's why we use organic pasture based milk. Um, because I mean, I, I just think, you know, it's, it's like, it's like humans or any animal, right? It's like when a cow eats its natural diet, you know, the, the cow itself is healthier and the milk it produces is healthier. And we don't necessarily understand all the ways that that's true. But, you know, we know for sure that there's higher concentration of omega-3s, of other fat-soluble nutrients. Um, so, I mean, that, that's why, I mean, that's why I personally think that's a really important part of it. Um, but yeah, so the, so the whole, I don't know if I really mentioned this much, but... Um, I think there's a lot of confusion about, you know, the different types of fats, right? Um, so we got omega-3s, omega-6s, saturated, unsaturated, polyunsaturated, trans fats. And I, my, my sense is that a lot of people are confused about, about these different types of fats. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, that's, that's one of the things I spent a lot of time studying just in the literature. And um, it, it's interesting because... If you look at saturated fat intake per person, you know, per year or whatever, over the last 120 years, saturated fat is one of the only nutrients um, that's, that's flat slash declining over the last 120 years. So you look at consumption trends and it's basically flat slash de declining for the last, whatever, 50 years. 
So just the on its face, the idea that saturated fat could be responsible for any of the, you know, sort of health crises or epidemics or whatever you want to call it, like, just doesn't make sense because the consumption of that nutrient has not gone up. It's gone, it's gone down or remained flat. But um, omega-6 fatty acids or, or linoleic acid, which is found predominantly in, in vegetable oils like soybean oil and, and corn oil, has, has gone up dramatically. It's gone up like, I think like almost tenfold or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we are like conducting this incredibly, in my opinion, incredibly dangerous and like large-scale experiment with uh, people's diets um, by adding all this omega-6 polyunsaturated fat to people's diets. And um, this is one of the things that these early clinical stu studies I mentioned kind of hint at is that, you know, we don't have perfect evidence, but myself and a lot of other people think that these polyunsaturated fats, omega-6 fats, are probably disastrous for health. And, you know, it's anytime you have a, an entire population, you know, consuming, you know, as a, as a group consuming the same thing, like it's hard to make, because you, you have no comparison groups, it's hard to draw conclusions, it's hard to make uh, any, any firm, you know, conclusions about the effect of that, right? Because, you know, a lot of things are changing in tandem. But uh, I personally think that's like, one of the biggest, like potential, like health disasters is this massive increase in, you know, vegetable oils, which contain high omega six fatty acids. So yeah, um, I, part, I part of our mission. Yeah, part of our mission is just like, not necessarily getting people to go on keto, although that's, that's a big part of it, but just like, you know, shifting their fat intake from these modern seed oils to traditional traditional fat sources. And it's sad because, you know, there's there's so much compelling science and evidence out there now that illustrates the benefits of, you know, saturated fats over a lot of these vegetable-based polyunsaturated fats. But the fact of the matter is it's much cheaper to produce these, you know, vegetable oils. So that's what's going to be used in, you know, the, the groceries, uh, the restaurants, the fast food chains, especially, they're going to go, you know, for the cheapest route to improve their margins. And it's sad that people are willing to make that sacrifice of health just simply to make a buck. And that's going to have the negative byproduct that it is having on the health of our population. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, um, I mean, it's, it's not just, um, uh, it's not just the financial incentives, right? Because it's like, you know, it, it took me, it took me many years to like through intensive, like research into the, into the, you know, the data and the papers to like actually convince myself that saturated fats were safe. Mm -hmm. But 99% of people don't have the time or the energy or the knowledge to do that. So, you know, they're, they're getting their advice from, from somebody else. Right. And it's like, until that, that narrative changes, until the nutritional guidelines stop stigmatizing traditional fat sources, like there's still going to be that, that attitude. And like, you know, it's a generational thing. I think it's like, you know, people who grew up with that idea, like it's just, it's just hardwired into them, I think on some level. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. But I think we're on a tipping point. Like I think, you know, with the grassroots movement, with technology, with social media, with all the evidence and research that's coming out, people are starting to become enlightened and kind of take their health back into their own hands as opposed to just relying on what the media tells us. And I think 
we're on the verge of a of a cultural shift as it relates to people's outlook on food and what is and is not healthy, which is exciting. You know, we're kind of on the forefront of that. Yeah, I certainly hope so, and and uh, I, I think I agree. I think I agree from from everything I've seen. Um, we'll just try to be optimistic at least. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I I think I'm pretty optimistic about the future. I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons people people are pessimistic these days, but man, I, I'm like, I'm an optimist at heart. I believe like, you know, I believe we're going in the right direction in a lot of ways, you know, as much, as much, um, reason as there is to complain about whatever the state of politics, the state of the world or, you know, whatever. Right. Absolutely. I think we got, I think the future is bright and, um, you know, I'm doing my best to like put my, Oh, what's the expression? Put my money where my mouth is. Right. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's an interesting thing, right? It's like, there's this whole idea that like, there's this, this whole topic of uh, kind of bias and, and conflicts of interest. It, it kind of fascinates me, right? Because, you know, as soon as you have a company, as soon as you go into the economy with something to sell, it's like, you kind of lose credibility in terms of like, you know, oh, you have a conflict of interest because you're selling something, right? But I view it a little bit differently. It's like, if you have a conviction, um, you know, you know, go, you know, selling something based on the conviction is the ultimate way to prove it, right? To prove that it's a value and get people to trade money that they've worked for, for what you're producing. Like, I think in a way that's the ultimate validation of, of an idea, right? 100%, man. I'm so glad you said it. Like I, I don't promote keto and live this lifestyle so that I can sell keto bricks. I sell keto bricks because I believe in this lifestyle. You know, I want to, you know, shorten the, the, the window of opportunity for people to, or increase the window of opportunity for people to have food that they can resort to. Same is true with you and the yogurt. You know, like the more opportunity we can put out there for people to stick with this as a lifestyle and take more of an initiative and and put you know value in their own health. That that's the conviction. And yeah, like I, I think you know it all comes back to like your integrity and what your your motivations are. And if you had to go through that trial period of years of just not seeing any return on your investment. That is a pretty, I mean, that's the defining ground right there. Like that lets you know what your motivations are. Like if your motivation is just simply money, you would not have the gumption that it would take to get through that trial period. But if you're in it for the right reasons to add value and, you know, maintain your integrity and, and be the best you can be for yourself and for the community, then yeah, you're, you're convicted in the right way and you're going to make it through that trial period and then you're going to be able to add value with the product that you've got. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. Where can people go to find out more about you, man, and get some yogurt? I'm, I'm, I'm excited for your, your launch here coming up. I'm excited for people to try this stuff. Actually, one, one more question before we go into that. What is your favorite way of eating your yogurt? I, when I was at KetoCon, they maybe <laughs> gave me a, a canister of it, and it had like pepper and olive oil. And I'm like, in my yogurt, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> but it was delicious. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite way of eating our yogurt is with a spoon. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm 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 parking, but uh, I mean, so so we got we've got three flavors, right? So the plain is like fully keto; it's 82% calories um, from fat. Um, we got a we got a, a strawberry and a vanilla. Those are kind of like low carb. There's a little bit, tiny bit of added sugar in there. So if you're strict keto, like you probably want to stick with the plain. But I don't know. I like them all. And then the the plain is is super versatile. You know, you can add olive oil, salt, and pepper, which is a really really delicious way to enjoy it. A lot of people. I've never seen this, but it's like, it's super tasty. And it's like kind of a traditional uh, Mediterranean or Persian way to uh, prepare yogurt or Lebanese, they call it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's basically good for, 
anything that coconut cream or creme fraiche or um, or uh, sour cream. I forget if I said that already, but uh, anything we want, like some creamy richness with a little bite of um, uh, tangy sourness, like it's perfect. So I, actually my favorite way to eat it, I think, is with um, lox or smoked salmon. Like that's so good. Really? So you just like buy the smoked salmon, just like yeah. put pieces of that into the yogurt? <clears throat> yeah. So, so get, so get like some locks, like that dry cured salmon, cut up little chunks of that, strips of that, dip it in the plain yogurt. And then if you want to sprinkle some like some fresh dill or capers on it, that is so delicious. It's so good, man. Man, that does sound amazing. And I really like, I mean, each, each container is only four grams of total carbs. So it, it's a, uh, it's a good way to get the macros up. When I'm looking at any food, I always check the labels, macros and ingredients. And if I'm looking at something and there's like more protein than fat or obviously more carbs than either of the two, then I put it back. But with, with your yogurt, you know, you've definitely got the higher fat ratio. So it makes it much easier to plan my meals accordingly and just eat things that you know are pretty seamlessly in line with what I'm trying to do with my macros, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, yeah, so people, um, um, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. It's just, I think it's Evan, Evan Sims underscore, um, Sims with one M and then, uh, we're at peakyogurt.com. I think when this thing goes live, we'll be, we'll be live shipping to central Eastern United States. And, uh, we're doing a special discount for listeners of this podcast. Just use discount code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G. I get you 15% off your first order. And, um, yeah, I think that's it. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I will definitely link out to all those people in the show notes can find you easy. And, um, I'm going to chat on some yoga right now, man. So it's been a pleasure, brother. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Absolutely. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Yeah, you too. Take care. Take care, buddy.